And here we are, motivating you to live more creatively. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen. We are available virtually anywhere you listen to your podcasts. That's right, Angie. I know people out there, they want to think more creatively. And every time they listen to the show, they'll benefit from what we have to say and especially what our guests have to say. Exactly. So today we're going to be talking about junk journaling and we're going to have a special guest. I have to admit, I really don't know much about junk journaling. I guess you would consider it to be a craft. Mm -hmm. Um, We appreciate all crafts as being true creative expressions. And that's why we have different guests in different areas. That's so true. And it's interesting that people who are involved in various forms of crafting are so dedicated and they're really quite creative thinkers. Before we get to this discussion, though, uh, Angie has the quote for the day, which I'm always excited to hear. I do. And our quote today was selected by today's guest, Angelina Fielding. And here it is. I shut my eyes in order to see. And that is by Paul Gauguin. Mm. Seems good. It seems to me that's where our imaginations really truly lie. You know, when you close your eyes, you have to think inwardly because you're not getting all the responses that you typically get when you're out looking at stuff. So that's really the heart of creativity. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And it reminds me of something that you've said regarding art, your art, and you try not to be influenced by outside stimuli sources. And I think that's really a, a real accurate thing to do, even though you will be in some instances, even though you try to shut it out, because then you can draw from your own internal creativity, your own soul and what you'd like to express creatively. It took me quite a while to get to that point, I have to admit. There's so many outside influences, we're exposed to so much, and it can tamper with your creativity. I try to close my eyes, and I try to listen to that still, small voice inside me before I start any creative endeavor, rather be painting or writing, or actually even doing our podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to get rid of that what is that extra temperous? You got to get rid of that, <laughs> all that junk that is out there. So true. And the clearer you can get your mind, the closer you can tune in. So that's a good quote by Paul Gauguin. Yes, it really is. And also, I know that when we're talking about crafting, we're going to talk, of, well, there are lots of creative crafts out there like needlework. Needlework. I have to say, doesn't that, does that just cover about everything that's created using a sewing needle? Well, not, not exactly. I mean, like if you're knitting, that's knitting needles, but well, crocheting, I was thinking of crocheting, that's more of a crochet hook, I guess, but you don't really use a traditional needle and thread for that. What about macrame? Does anybody even do macrame anymore? Maybe sailors. Well, maybe when they're making their nets, right? They're macrameing. But I've seen a few macrame things here and there on Instagram that they're really cool. I've never really gotten into it, but I think that the people that do it are are very cool. Well, every once in a while you see it on social media, so maybe it's having a comeback. Maybe maybe it's coming back. But, you know, like everything else, it is a craft, and you have to be talented in order to achieve it. So That's true. that's so I, true. I think both Angie and I feel that 
people can be really judgmental when it comes to defining the fine line between craft and art. That's so true. Crafters are artistic. I mean, it's very tactile. They have to make things with their hands, but they also have to plan it and mm-hmm. do everything that you would do if you were creating a painting. That's so true. It is very tactile, and it's the same process, really. There's creativity involved, and especially if someone... Well, when you start out crafting, you usually follow directions of this is how you do A, B, and C, and then you you have your end result. But after a while of doing that, I think that then you start to incorporate your own creativity and maybe you want to make something for your home and you, you know how to do it at that point. You can be more loose and creative with it. Well, crafting started out probably hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were living by candlelight and sewing. People mm-hmm. mended clothes. And after mending clothes, they became more creative in making clothes. Mm -hmm. And then I guess you could say embroidery was invented. Embroidery is quite a craft into itself. Well, embroidery was very big back in the colonial times. I knew that. And then before than that, actually, people were very into it. Women did that as an art form to express their creativity because there was a lot of things that you couldn't do as a woman back in the day. In fact, the United States of America owes its flag to a craft person. That's right, Betsy Ross. Yes, they came to her and said, make us a flag. So she got out of her needle and thread and a few colors that she chose. Mm -hmm. And before long, she sewed the first American flag. Well, I guess people shouldn't be judgmental of crafters because (laughs) you owe a flag to uh, her crafting. Um, Yeah, America is probably not the only country where the first flag was sewn most likely by a woman, but maybe a man. Probably. Um, All kind of interesting, I guess. It is. And then there comes a a point where crafters, you know, you've made so many crafts that because it's so much fun to make them that they want to sell or at least they want to clear some clutter from their home so they can um, make more crafts. But that's where it's interesting because even Amazon has a place where people can purchase products that are handmade and it's called Amazon Handmade. There's some really interesting products on there and they're one of a kind. You know, you're not going to go in there and find somebody who's made a hundred of something. They're usually Mm -hmm. uh, very original. Nobody can duplicate them because they're handmade. And they're very special. I thought Amazon Mm -hmm. was showing crafters a lot of respect by creating Mm -hmm. that category for them. True, true, very true. And I know that over the years when we've gotten craft gifts from people and we absolutely cherish and love them. And in fact, over the years, we've received Christmas ornaments that were craft made, homemade, and we absolutely love them. And I know that with our Christmas tree, I don't know about yours at home, but with ours, I guess it's not really, how would you say, it's I not decoratory, but it's more of, it's more I organic. Think, I think the word I would use is eclectic. That's it, eclectic. It is totally eclectic. And none of the ornaments match, but each one has a story. Each one has some emotion behind it. And it seems like if we have ornaments that we bought as maybe filler before we started getting ornaments here and there from our loved ones and friends, uh, those seem to get phased out. And the ones that are not matched are the ones that are on the tree. Well, when I, I know when I place one on a tree, I have my favorites and I have lots of flashbacks and lots of memories Mm-hmm. of the person that gave it to us or the Christmas that we received it. There are just a lot of uh, sentimental 
things that I feel when we decorate our tree Mm -hmm. with the craft items. But if you don't celebrate Christmas, we all have holidays that we celebrate. Mm -hmm. And those particular holidays, you have items that you bring out every year. Right. Uh, Like a tablecloth or something. Yeah, well, the the Jewish faith, a menorah. A menorah. And you can have a special menorah. There's a lot of menorahs out there that were handmade. And they were handmade and handed mm-hmm. down generation after generation. Right. That was a craft for the person who made it. And it makes every every season that you present or you light the candles for the menorah, it makes it really special. And mm-hmm. that in itself, it started with a craft. You can almost guarantee it. Right. And with any religion or with any um, special occasion, it's really nice to take out something that has to do with your heritage or some something that someone made in your family that you can bring out again and again and reminisce about them and keep their spirit alive as well. So that's probably a brilliant use of crafting, especially Mm -hmm. the aspect that you can make a gift of it. And of course, there's ways to monetize it. You can make money. What what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to also talk about Etsy because I love Etsy. And I think it's another great place to shop and discover people's handmade items because Etsy actually helps to promote you, whereas Amazon does not as much. And it would be nice if they did, instead of you know making the crafter rely upon their own um, devices of social media or word of mouth. Whereas Etsy really kind of gets in there and helps you, and it's really made for the crafter. And painters, I see a lot of painters on there as well. Well, I mean, there's a big difference. You have to pay to be on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, on Etsy, you pay a, a per charge for each item, but it's not very much. So it's it's kind of a nice way to start your sales without outlaying a lot of cash. One thing I want to discuss a little bit further, and we only touched on it briefly, mm-hmm. is the tactile aspect of crafting. Oh, yeah. You very ha- much. You have to have a reasonable amount of hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. True. There are people that make furniture, and that's a craft. And it is. Th- it's a skill at a craft. Crafting has two elements to it. Skill. You have to have skill because of the tactile aspect of it. Right. You also have to have imagination. Mm-hmm. You need to select the materials, colors, whatever you intend on using. As we're going to discuss in a little while, the art of making junk journals. Right. Use lots of different materials, I guess. I mean, for what we had, we actually received one as a gift, and that's what made us think more about it. It was absolutely beautiful. And as a creative person, both the engineer and I as creative people, we looked at this thing and we go, there's so many different elements of creativity that went into this. There's actual drawings in it. Mm-hmm. There's clippings. There's writing. There's yeah. fabric. What There's else was in that? Different thing? kinds of postcards. There's different kinds of papers. It's just, just looking at it made me feel inspired and creative just by leafing through it. I did not put anything in it yet because it's too pretty to put anything in it. I didn't want to put any writing in it or anything because we just like looking at it as is. Well, for some people, a junk journal can be like a time capsule. It very much can be like that. You could build one, I suppose you could build one in a few hours or a day, or you could work on one for months, correct? I think it could take a little while to make them because there's so many elements. You have to gather the elements as well as put it into a book format. So I think that might take a little bit of time. But the thing I like about it is unlike scrapbooking, which is very cool, 
But this, you can personalize each page and make it of that time. Like you can find postcards of that time or paper of that time or songs of that time. And you can put that into a cohesive book. And as you're making that page, that page really does apply to that person or that circumstance or instance that you're recalling. So it really is a complete art form at that point. Let's, uh, let's share our thoughts on crafts and museums. Okay. Sounds like a plan. I really think that when we went to the museum in Bakersfield and they had the ceramics from Picasso, I think that was really interesting to see that because we have not seen that in a lot of different places. And also when we went to, what was that, the Tucson Museum that had that very cool Lichtenstein quilt? Yeah. Which that, that was, I that have was never seen anywhere. And that was a gorgeous quilt. And Sacramento was the first time we ever saw a show of quilts. And that was pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. They had contemporary quilts that were made by artisans within, say, a year. And they also had some quilts that were made all the way back at the before the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. They were collector's items and they were worth huge amounts of money, which I thought was pretty impressive that somebody took the time to build this beautiful quilt out of remnant fabric that they had. All of a sudden, it ends up in a museum mm-hmm. hung on a wall. And then now, all of a sudden, it's a highly valued collectible item that may end up or have, I guess some of them have ended up in um, auction. Mm-hmm. I could see that. They're really beautiful. It seems like the first place that people are exposed to crafts is at county fairs. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I remember when we would go to county fairs and see the quilts and the different place settings that they had and the artwork from the different schools, like the grade schools and middle schools and things. And that was always interesting. Yeah, I like to look at the artwork, especially from kindergartners, Mm -hmm. first graders, second graders, third graders always made me very jealous because I couldn't believe how original <laughs> they're so talented and how talented they are you know they're unaffected they don't have a bunch of garbage floating around in their heads so when they create a piece of art it's divinely inspired it's directly coming right onto the uh, medium that they use crayons if they if they scribbled out something with a crayola especially like the ones where they show a house their mom their dad and their dog I love it. I love love those and their choice of colors. Mm -hmm. I think most people discover, a lot of people discover needlework. You'll see. Yeah, you see lots of Needlepoint. Knitting, crocheting. Knitting, crocheting. Yeah, And it's competitive. You'll walk by and you'll see someone got a blue ribbon or a gold ribbon. And then you go, wow, you know, that is the the showstopper. That's the piece that all the judges thought was Uh spectacular. To me, that in itself says a lot because you're competing against other crafters. And if you win a reward, that's nice. You can hang it on your wall at home. But you know darn well that all the people that didn't win a reward are going to be back doing their crafts the very next day with just as much enthusiasm as they had before they ever submitted it to the show. Mm -hmm. There is one other thing. I don't know if it's a craft or not, but the area that I always like to hang out is where they have the model train displays. Oh, yeah. Those were kind of cool. 
it's a bunch of boys and a bunch of men standing around watching this little train go around on a track, round and round and round. But it's fascinating. And you have to understand that they build these models, Mm -hmm. all the little houses and the people and the cars, all that stuff is handmade. So that's handmade, handmaids or crafts, that's craft and a lot of talent uh, and experience goes into building such stuff. True. I, I went through a model railroad, I guess, like for just a few months, I think, and I got a little train. And then once I set it up and watched it go around and around a few times, I think that was it. I think I got bored you with it. You lost the excitement. I did. It wasn't It wasn't there anymore. So I, I didn't like it anymore. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the food that you find at county fairs where they compete for like the best jam, best pie, mm-hmm. best cake, best, all of that. Well, that is a craft oh, and definitely. it requires canning. yeah, canning. I didn't canning, think about that, it. but you have to be very talented uh, to make a great apple pie that wins the blue ribbon. Well, I think that the judges on, on that one are the lucky ones because they get to taste all this stuff. So it's kind of cool because They'll, they'll try out somebody's preserves or their vegetables that they canned or whatever to make sure that they did it correctly and everything's fine. And it, it looks like it's... And they do it blind. Fine. They don't they really don't know. They don't know, no. They don't know who they're judging. No. They just have to do it strictly by taste. But that sounds like fun. But those are very creative people. Very, And very. our show is dedicated to creative people. Right. And that's where we're headed with a, a guest. Right, and we wanted to bring you our special guest today, Angelina Fielding. She is a successful artist, historian, and a writer. She's also excellent at crafting junk journals, which is why she's here today. That's going to be interesting to hear what she has to say. I've known her for a while, and the thing that I always like to say about her, she's truly a Renaissance woman. Mm -hmm. She's so talented in so many ways. Uh, So many things that she does are just quite brilliant. That's she for lack of a really better term. Is. She is. Hi, Angelina. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We're so glad to have the opportunity to chat with you today, Angelina. Hello. Thank you so much for having me over. You are so welcome. So we have a little question that we want to ask you. It's a tough one. It's a hard question. So you okay. be prepared. Yeah. What did okay. you have for breakfast today? Actually, I do not eat breakfast. Oh, okay. Do you have yes, coffee I, or tea or anything like that? Um, I will just have water and start my day. Um, as the day progresses, sometimes I may have some coffee. But I um, actually only eat when I'm hungry. And most of the times, I'm so engrossed in my work that I forget Oh, okay. To eat. Uh, and breakfast is definitely not a staple with me. Well, some people don't like it. They're not into it. Yeah, you're not always eating. I mean, that's not your favorite meal either. No, not me either. I would rather, I mean, I'm, I I want my coffee or tea and that's it, but I'm forced to eat breakfast. Conversely, I'd rather have a nice big <laughs> breakfast and yeah. then eat light meals during the day or at the yes. end of the day. We all have our own rhythm, I guess, of eating and, and things like that. This is true. Yeah. I, think, um, I think my, maybe a little off just because I, I, the way I work, it's, you know, um, I sleep maybe four hours a day wow. <laughs> and oh my that goodness. Is on a good day. So I'm constantly in a working cycle. And so, well, mm-hmm. that leads, that There's leads no me breakfast time. That leads me to our real question here. Although the other one's pretty real. 
I know, and Angie and I know, we know you're very talented in many areas. Mm-hmm. You're an artist, you're a historian, you're a writer, and you also create beautiful junk journals. Today, we'd yes. like to start out by talking about the junk journals. So perhaps you could tell us exactly what is a junk journal? Sure. Uh, so as the term implies, a junk journal is essentially a journal that is made out of materials that would be considered junk. Um, so, for example, old newspapers, um, you know, checkbook sheets, things that you would normally just trash because there's there's no room for it. Flyers, advertising flyers, coupons, things like that. Um, and so it's made up of all these items, these pages, these sheets that are considered junk. Um, but when you put it together, you can transform those junky sheets into something more valuable and more beautiful as you continue to work on your journal. Um, Mm. Essentially, that's what a junk journal is. Uh, People use all kinds of things. It really just depends on who is making the journal. I use all of those things and I use old envelopes, all kinds of things uh, to transform it into a workable page that I can use in my journal. Mm. So what is your philosophy behind junk journaling? So, um, as you know, I'm a historian and mm-hmm. I find anything dealing with history very exciting. Um, my philosophy, uh, philosophy in general, whether it's my writing or art or making journals, is just trying to preserve mm-hmm. whatever is old, whatever is um, something that people normally wouldn't think twice about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so preservation is what drives me in my work. And uh, junk journaling is no different. Um, I find it exciting because it gives me an opportunity to find something that I can reintroduce, repurpose, and recreate into something else, um, which still has a little bit of its own history left to it. So when you're out out and about... It's like a new object. Yeah, when you're out and about and you see something, does that trigger a thought related to history? And you go, wow, this would be really great in one of my junk journals? Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the things I enjoy doing is just going, you know, in in my town where I live, there are small shops and I'll frequent them. And sometimes I'll come across uh, items that may inspire me. Either I'll take the item itself, for instance, old vintage papers. I may come across something like that, Mm -hmm. old wallpapers. Um, And I may just grab those and then incorporate them into the junk journal or it could be that I just saw an, an old painting, um, painting in an antique shop or an old image or a, a statue or something that just triggers some sort of inspiration in my mind. And then I'll go back and translate that into the junk journal so that I'm working on. If people are thinking about getting into junk journaling, they can just go out, go to antique stores, wherever they find stuff and just start pulling things together and then start the creative process. I wanted to ask you, you're a historian, a nonfiction writer, and an artist. That's pretty, those are three dedicated uh, talents, if you will. Which out of all of these do you think has helped you in your journals, creating your journals? I think um, it would be fair to say that both my background as an historian and artist um, really, it pushes me to create these journals because if you look at my work, um, 
most all of my journals are vintage or antiquish looking. And I will incorporate things that are from the past into the journals, not just on the sheets itself, but even things that I put into the journal itself, whether it's my sketches, writings, quotes, things like that, or I may have some tags or photographs and things like that. They all go into the journal and all of them have some history attached to it. So I don't think that I can separate the two. Uh, I am both an historian and an artist, and that just merges together in me, in all of my work for that matter. Um, when I write, I'm writing creatively. When I work on my paintings, same thing. When I do the journals, same thing. So it's just enmeshed. Right. It all ties together. Exactly. Really. I know you kind of discussed what kind of materials you use when you create your junk journals. What is the most unusual material you've ever used? So I will use all kinds of items. For, uh, for example, as I mentioned, vintage wallpapers, um, gift wrapping papers, mm-hmm. you know, something from the trash pile, like the envelopes and advertising coupons, things like that. Um, I will also use fabric, vintage fabric, um, those beautiful crochet doilies and um I think those are the ones that I just love the most because, again, those crochet doilies have history attached to them. They were made by people a long time ago. And, you know, when they were creating those beautiful, beautiful um, doilies, they typically had that as a heirloom that was supposed to pass down to the next family member, next generation. So whenever I'm working with them, they, you know, these things have trickled down to me in my hands. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm very careful in using them, but I love using those and incorporating them with the paper in the journal itself. Um, So I I would say that's probably one of the um, things that I really enjoy using, Mm -hmm. lace and doilies, crochet doilies. Crochet that doilies. Really that my my grandmother had those on the arms <laughs> of our chair. Yes. I think they held so it. Yes, I've, uh, I have found so many of them, unfortunately, in such horrible conditions. Oh. Um, you know, they're torn or tattered or discarded. And um, I just think they're so beautiful. Just, just the fact that someone took the time out to create those because they're handmade. Oh, right, um, right. And that takes a long time. So I just want to see if there's any way for me to preserve that. And, you know, even if it's just a small piece of it Mm -hmm. uh, in the journal. Um, So that's what I'm thinking when I'm creating them, uh, these journals and incorporating these pieces inside of the journal. Either on the cover or on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. They're they're always so beautiful. Well, they have, the, you. like you said, the doilies have an opportunity to live again and be exposed yeah. again. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's exactly. really a nice feature of what you're doing. Do you offer your journals for sale? Yes, I do. They are all available on my website. Uh, that's trehanstreasures.com. I also have some items on sale on eBay under Trehan's Treasures. Just okay. to let everybody know, we will post a, a bio and your links to your websites and your social media. We will have that on our website. So if people want to see what you're doing or get to know you better, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be able to see it. I got a question that doesn't doesn't exactly go here, maybe. But what I would like to ask you is, I know you paint. And could you just quickly tell us? what subject matter 
What's your subject matter of what you paint? I know you're not an abstract painter. No, I'm not. So um, I, again, um, my focus in my art, my paintings is, again, history, uh, specifically U.S. history, more specifically 18th century America. I have some work done in um, other periods of American history, uh, 19th century, pioneer period. But essentially, it's the Revolutionary War era, um, and that's what you will find in my work. Portraiture, it's not abstract. Uh, it's definitely a unique style <laughs> because yeah. I'm a self-taught artist. So I have absolutely no academic background whatsoever in, in uh, art. Yeah, but your style is very original. And I, and I guess is. both Inchi and I would want to know, do you ever incorporate that actual paintings into your junk journals? So I do have journals of my own where I do paint and I'll sketch. Um, in the junk journals itself, I may have some... Um, tags, which are basically smaller pieces of paper where I may have done a portrait and I've inserted it in the journal itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But since most of these are available for sale, I try to keep them um, as neutral as possible because the journal is meant for the person who's purchasing it. And so I Mm -hmm. want them Mm -hmm. to be able to incorporate their own work inside of it that makes they're sense very practical yeah they're mm-hmm. they're hopefully aesthetically pleasing but also um uh, practical because i am a you know i love journals i've owned a journal ever since i was a young girl and i just want to be able to have other people have that opportunity to just have the joy of having a spot of their own where they can just express themselves seeing how you're seeing how you're so talented in so many different directions (laughs) i guess it's fair to ask how does journaling help people that are under a lot of stress does it help them reduce stress what is it what does it do for people that are stressed out okay so um personally speaking i i think journaling it's just a great way to express yourself um in ways that you probably can't go out and do openly in public, probably because you don't want to or you don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, we all have our own experiences. Some of them um, are easy to share and some of them are not so easy to share. Mm-hmm. And these could be good or bad experiences. Um, I think journaling just allows it, it's, it's a journal or a diary is like your best friend. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. It's the place where you go. And you jot down whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart. Um, Those could be good things or bad things, as I said. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a place where you can express yourself without any kind of reservations or feeling that you're going to be judged Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, that you're limited. You're only limited with your imagination. So it has always worked for me. I've always had a journal. Sometimes I have multiple journals because I may have one where I'm just sketching. I may have one where I'm just writing. I may have one where I'm doing both. Um, I have some nature journals where I, I love going for treks. So if I pick up things on my treks, they go into my nature journal. So I just think that, you know, there's so many different ways that we can express ourselves. It's not just writing. That is just definitely one of them when you're journaling. But there are a lot of people that have bought my journals who are not necessarily writing, but they just want a place where they can keep these found objects that they love. And they may write down a couple of quotes or something, but essentially it's their place where they go. It's their private 
domain. Mm-hmm. I like I like that, you know, because in a hectic world we live in, sometimes you scrawl things on those little post-it notes or on a piece. I do this right. all the time. And then you put it somewhere and then you don't really find it. Whereas if it's something special you want to remember or just thoughts. I feel like it makes it extra elegant and extra special for you only. So this is yes. a really elegant thing you can do for yourself, a self-pampering thing. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. I, yeah. Uh, I have a man question. <laughs> okay, you go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. junk journaling just for women. Uh, I don't think so. I think anyone can. Uh, junk journaling is no different than any other form of journaling. Um, the only difference is, as I said before, you know, you're creating a journal made out of things that normally would end up in the trash. Um, but the process of journaling in these junk journals is no different than just picking up a sketchbook or any other form of journal where you're writing. Um, it's it's your place. You do what you feel you want to do because it's your place. And, it, you know, it's just a spot where men can go and write down things and sketch things and collect things. And so can women. I even have some really um, children, young people have purchased some of my journals. Oh, okay. um, so I don't think it's limited by age or you know, whatever gender you are, it's it's a place for you to basically just go and express yourself freely. I think there's um, probably some male listeners out there that are trying to figure out how they can put old automobile parts in a junk journal. <laughs> they want to keep it. <laughs> but, but you know something, Rod, honestly, I have actually made junk journals for men as well. And it's funny you mentioned the automotive parts because um, some of those, those journals have incorporated, uh, you know, those old magazines uh, that had automobile advertisements oh, and yeah, whatnot in yeah. it, like Ford and Coca-Cola and whatnot. So I've taken, taken those vintage those um papers from the magazines that used to be the size of my gosh i don't know a huge size like almost like a a portfolio size Mm -hmm. so i've taken those and incorporated them into the journals i've made for men um photographs of you know uh from the early 20th century i had this one journal i did for um someone which had 19th century um characters of men in the gym like lifting weights and boxing and things like that yeah so it was it was so fun it was just it was very masculine nothing feminine about it um the fabric on the cover was very masculine uh everything on the inside of the um journal was very very masculine and related to men and it was it was loved and i'm pretty sure it's cherished so um i don't think it's it's just a women thing. Mm-hmm. I think men can certainly have a junk journal and enjoy it and use it. Um, well, it's I've a had, creative outlet. I mean, is. it is something that you could do exactly. very creatively. Uh, and there's a lot of men that are very, very creative. So I could see them Absolutely. enjoying the opportunity yes. to do this. What do you have for us, Angie? Well, you know, I, I looked at your journal that we got a while back ago from you and it's, it's exquisite. It is so beautiful. And, I'm wondering if I started to make one for myself or for a gift, what materials would I need to do this? Okay. So, you know, there, there's 
a very simple way to make a journal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course there's, you know, you get more advanced. So in the simplest way, you basically just need some sheets of paper that you want inside of the journal Mm -hmm. and you can use fabric for the cover, or you can use cardboard. If it's a junk journal, you could even use like a cereal box if you wanted to really (laughs) that you cover up with paper or fabric or paint, um, however you choose to decorate it. And then you just need a thread and and a needle and um it's just folding up the papers putting them on the inside of the cover and sewing them together um it's not that difficult again there's you can go more advanced from that point because you can i typically use a simple what is called a simple pamphlet stitch but then there are other stitches that are a little bit more advanced and complicated but for someone who just wants to make a small little journal for themselves it's very easy to do very simple Mm -hmm. um i'll just i'll just throw this in there (laughs) for the for the historian in me um i am right now working on abraham lincoln um for my next book i'm working on his biography and uh, as a matter of fact he made his own little journal when he was younger he he yes because it was so difficult for him to have uh, paper and materials and whatnot, and he so badly and passionately wanted to study and learn and have an education and be able to read. So he basically took some paper that he found from who knows where mm-hmm. and sewed together a copybook for himself, which My is goodness. where he jotted down all of the things that he found were important to him so that he could just remember those. Well, he was a uh, con- so consummate he, learner, right? He, absolutely all the way to the end so even he made his own handmade junk journal and i thought it was just fantastic when i was researching him well that uh, kind of that, that that's really that's, neat that is interesting that yeah. leads us to my next question after listening to you and what we've seen we consider mm-hmm. journaling to be quite an art form in itself can you mm-hmm. picture a day when you see these journals in museums of art in an exhibition Yes, as a matter of fact, Rod, um, I think there are a couple of museums that have already done exhibitions where they've had people bring in uh, journals. I believe there are some in in the entire country, but very specifically, I know of a couple that did it here. Um, I do believe journals are a form of art because you're putting all of your creativity, your energy, your expression, your thoughts into this journal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, obviously, people, you know, there, there are journals that are very private that you're not going to go and show out there. Right. But then there are um, other journals that have all of this, you know, visual as well as um, things that you've written down or materials that you've saved and attached to the journal that can definitely be considered very artistic and creative and worth showing. Um, so I do know of a couple here locally that have done uh, an exhibition on that. I would love to see that, more mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah. That so, sounds so interesting. A- Angie, what is your next question? Well, my question is, is do they have to have a theme? You know, if so, what are they mm-hmm. based on? I mean, is there a certain theme that you should have for these journals? Sure. So again, the theme of the journal is just as personal as the person who's creating the journal. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, as I mentioned before, I have a nature journal. I love going for treks. 
So when I'm out there and I'm finding things, something simple like a feather or a leaf or one time I found this little bird's nest. So obviously I'm not putting that in the journal. But, you know, those are things that inspire you. Um, The bird's nest inspired me to write about it. um, And that went into the journal. But, uh, you know, it's really the person Mm -hmm. who is using the journal and what is important to them that they put into the journal that makes the theme of the journal. So mm-hmm. it could be just sketches. It could be writing. It could be nature. It could be memories from your past, your childhood. It could be someone who's getting married, who just wants to write down about their exciting journey. You know, someone who went right. on a vacation. Um, I've done journals. Uh, so one of my favorites is uh, working on the Paris uh, France theme. I love that. Oh yeah. So I'll incorporate um, images from France and I will have quotes and things like that. So it's the French journal. It's all everything related to France. I know. Um, we've, so really I, just, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say, okay. I know we've covered this aspect of your preparation process. But just maybe real quickly for our listeners, they have an idea of what specifically you do to prepare for making a beautiful journal. Okay, so um, I'm, I typically begin with an inspiration, something that either inspired me or something I had just thought of doing. And then I will gather all of my materials together. Uh, so, for example, again, with the French journal, I will look for anything that's uh, related to uh, France, uh, whether it's pictures, images, whether it's paper, mm-hmm. uh, lace, anything, anything related with uh, the uh, France, and I'll put it all together. I'll bring it all together. I have this huge uh, table where I just put everything together as I'm beginning the process, and so it looks like chaos, but there's there's a process that I go through. I will collect all my material, everything from paper to fabric to photographs to everything that's going to go in that journal. And then I will organize it and sort through them and see what I want. Sometimes I'll use everything. Sometimes I'll use some things. Sometimes I'll find other things that I want to include. Um, and then once I have that organized, I will start work on uh, the journal itself, which is Holding the papers and getting them into the journal and so on and so forth. You know, we're all, we're creative people. We have all of our listeners for the most part are creative. They're very much into being creative. They think creatively and they probably, I know I would like to know, I know Angie would like to know what goes on inside your head when you're making a journal. (laughs) Okay. It's not a very deep question. I think that's (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, I think it's just the pure joy of creating something, right? Um, It's no different than when I'm writing an article or if I'm making a painting. It's the process of creativity, uh, producing something that is meaningful, something that I'm enjoying and it's giving me the opportunity to express myself. Um, When I'm creating these junk journals, it's essentially the same thing. Um, What's driving me is okay, here I have all of this material, which nobody wants. And now I want to put it together and give it some new life. Um, and hopefully it'll come out good in the end. But that's, that's essentially what I'm thinking. And the process itself is just pure joy. Because I know I'm working on something that is coming out of my hands, my heart, my mind. And uh, hopefully it'll be something that will end up bringing some good, vibes to whoever ends up with it in the end 
you know, Angie and I were talking about this earlier, and I think she has a question regarding the tactile side of this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm hearing how you construct the journals, and building each journal is, is a very tactile process. Do you think that it improves your eye-hand coordination when you're doing this? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you many times when I've stabbed myself oh, with no. needles. <laughs> I, should use, I should use a thimble, but I never do. Um, so, yes, I, I, use, I use a sewing machine in some cases, but mostly, especially the binding part is done by hand. Mm-hmm. I have journals where I've sewn the whole journal all together just by hand, freehand. So um, it is a very slow methodical process and you you really do need to be able to coordinate everything not just um how you're creating the journal and putting it together but also have an eye for um, where everything needs to go and how it needs to look because again i'm i'm hoping for mm-hmm. it to come out aesthetically pleasing as well as practical you don't want a journal that falls apart as soon as you open it yeah it makes sense um, so yeah, so you need to make sure that, you know, everything is tight and together. And so for that, yes, you you do need to have good eye and hand coordination. Right. And then when it comes to your creative life, um, what do you want to be known for? I would say um, the same thing as I mentioned earlier, historian and artist, okay. because for me, they're both enmeshed together. I, it's, I have tried over the years to separate the two, um, yeah. but I just cannot. But that's just me. Understand, understand. Well, that leads me to this question. Why don't you give us an example of a day in the life of Angelina Fielding? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we know you're very busy. We know you only sleep a few hours a day. We know you don't eat (laughs) breakfast. So um, you seem to be in your work area. pretty much all the time but so yes. give us a, a day in the life of okay so uh typically i will wake up in the morning when i do go to sleep at night <laughs> and um i love to paint in natural light so anytime there you know it's sunny outside um it's guaranteed that i'll be painting all day because that's i love that so most of the day will end up with me just working on a painting And then as the sun starts to set, I will probably take a break. Um, I may work on a journal at that point for a little bit or just try to come up for air, eat something. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, as the evening progresses, I'm uh, I'm working on my articles or I'm working on my book. I'm researching and I'm writing. So my night is usually when I'm up, when I'm working on books and articles and research. And then during the day, I'm usually working on my paintings and journals. That's kind of how it goes. And somewhere, and somewhere in there, I, if I'm, I'm really, really good, I can throw in four hours for, for a little sleep. Well, before we close this, and you've been most informative, what, would be you. your sage advice? What would you tell people if you were uh, sitting across from them uh, at a dinner or something and they said, do you junk journal? And you would say, absolutely. And then what would be the very next thing you would tell them? I would tell them that they need to try it because it's very uh, freeing. It's um, 
it would give them an opportunity to express themselves, to find some joy in this chaotic world, in this chaotic life <laughs> yeah. that we all live. Um, you know, and there are a lot of people who will say, oh, I don't know how to journal. I don't know how to write or draw and Right. It, it's really very simple. This is your journal. This is your space. This is where you get to be whoever you want to be. And there's no one sitting there saying, okay, you did not draw that nose correctly. Mm-hmm. You're just doing this for yourself. It's your space. It's your best friend. So embrace your junk journal and just go for it. Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful answer. It really is. We're going to Thank have you. all of your contact information will be available on our website. So if people have a question, we'll pass it on to you. I'm sure we're going to get some questions about junk journaling and your experiences with it. But I have to say, Angelita, you really covered it quite well. I mean, I feel I feel like I just might go out and start a junk journal. <laughs> There you go. Thanks, Rod. I appreciate that. I love it. Thank you, Angie. Oh, thank you so much, Angelina, for joining us today. You are so wonderful as our guest, and we know that creative people will benefit from the thoughts and ideas you've shared with us today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Angelina. We really appreciate it. Thank you both. Really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. Mm-hmm.